So I've entitled this morning's message, How to Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. <laughs> how many people want to know, how do you discover what God has gifted you with spiritually? Now when I say spiritual gifts, one of the reasons that I, I use the term spiritual gifts, the Bible actually has the word spirituals, just one word, spirituals. And it lists um, in, one, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, I think it is, it lists nine. Uh, but there are more. There's other gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. And these gifts may or may not correspond or correlate with your actual natural gifting that you have. You might be a gifted athlete, for instance, or you might have a high IQ. You might be, as some of you are, gifted in maths. I'm not, uh, where you can just think mathematics and add huge sums in your head and do subtraction, division, multiplication, and you know, equals MC squared, and you're coming up with, you know, all this stuff. That's you, you're gifted in that. But, but this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about spirituals or spiritual gifts. Again, it might correspond somewhat because God will take often the natural ability that he's given you and he'll put his hand on it. And when God does that, it just takes it to a whole nother level. Uh, you're gifted naturally, but supernaturally spiritual gifting will take that to a whole nother level, like heaven level. And that's what we're after when we're talking about discovering spiritual gifts. It's the hand, the grace of God. Charisma comes from, from that word charis, which is gifts in the Greek language. So God, wants, God has gifted you with spiritual gifts that are, are way beyond just your natural ability. I, I have um, enjoyed as I've pastored now for quite a while, uh, I've really enjoyed watching people come into a church one way and leave another way. And sometimes that happens in a meeting, like in an hour. Sometimes it happens over uh, weeks or months or years. But when God's hand comes upon you, you're not just going to stay ordinary. You, you come in uh, thinking, I'm just ordinary. I don't really have anything going for me. There's no, nothing exceptional about me. You might be here and you might be thinking that way. Just, it's just ordinary little me. And, and, and that's okay. And you can be humble and all the rest of it. But you don't have to stay ordinary. You can be extraordinary. And that extra on ordinary is what we're talking about. When the hand of God touches ordinary, it doesn't stay ordinary. It goes to extraordinary, super extraordinary. <laughs> it's like highest octane possible ordinary. You cannot walk in uh, to the presence of God or a situation where the presence of God and the grace of God is flowing, the power of God, the anointing, whatever semantics you want to use. You can't walk into that atmosphere and walk out the same way. You, you're going to leave different than what you came. You're going to leave so much better than the way that you came in. That's what we're striving for, and that's what we, we're asking for, and that's why we, we need to discover the spiritual gifts that God has endowed us with and open these up like a present that, uh, you know, that somebody gives you. Somebody gave me a present this morning, and uh, it was a set of books, and uh, you know, I received it with gladness. Uh, because these books were on one of my favorite subjects, uh, boxing. <laughs> and they were some of the great fighters and, you know, 
uh, boxing is called pugilism. So some of the greatest pugilists that, uh, that, you know, from the beginning of time are in there and all the greats that, you know, uh, they're all in these books. It was a series of books. And, uh, and I'm looking at these going, oh, yes, I can't wait to dive in and have a look at this and pictures of it and all the rest of it. And, uh, and, and I, I said, man, I'm thoroughly blessed you now because God's in the boxing. No, he's not. Probably. I don't know. Anyway, and, you know, and the, it begs the question, is there going to be boxing in heaven? Well, how do you know? How, how do you know? There might be boxing in heaven. There might be like really cool boxing of some sorts in heaven. I don't know. Like, uh, well, then I'm going to enjoy it here on earth. If it's not going to be in heaven, then I'm going to indulge myself here because I won't be able to do it and watch it later. So all the more, all the more. But, but you know, that gift that I was given, several books, I had to look, open it up and, and, and look at it and know that it exists so that I can indulge myself and look at the pictures and, and reminisce about the great boxers of old. So no matter where you're at, God wants you to look further and to, become, and to take your ordinary into extraordinary. Romans chapter 12, we don't have a lot of scripture this morning, but uh, I'm going to give you some ways that you can discover your spiritual gifts, and then we'll take it to lunch and uh, hopefully you, you'll take home that assessment, the booklet, uh, and that'll be a tool as well. Romans 12:1. Paul writes this. He says, "Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice." I, I think about offering my body as a sacrifice. It's not very appealing. But he says a living sacrifice. So this isn't something you're going you're gonna to martyr, you're going to die uh, physically for this one. It's like, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So our worship extends beyond a worship service. It extends to our whole life being a living, not dead, a living sacrifice to God. In other words, we're going to lay our lives down when we follow Jesus. Here's how we're going to do this. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I don't know if you've ever watched somebody pour concrete, but they frame that up, a driveway or uh, what foundation or whatever it is. They have, to for, they have to form that up first with usually timber and ply and other things, and they pour that in there, and it becomes, uh, it, it becomes a concrete formation. It's stuck there. He says here, do not conform. In other words, don't be a blockhead to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world will get you thinking that you're a nothing, a nobody, and there's no hope, and you're useless, and you can't do anything, and, and you're not just ordinary. You're below ordinary. You're just a loser. Like, you know, what's the point and all the rest of it, all, all of that negativity and, and trying to put you in your little box and, and uh, you know, put a ceiling over you and everything else. Do not conform. This is how you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. A dead sacrifice conforms. You're in that box. You're going to get buried. That's it. Over. A, a living sacrifice doesn't, you can't put me in a box. I, I'm not conformed to that pattern of this world but be transformed. I love that. Transformation is possible wherever you're at. You can, tr you can be transformed if you have conformed. 
be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That's a lifetime. Most of the struggles evolve around that, believe it or not, getting different thinking, getting rid of stinking thinking, and getting God thoughts flowing in our thinking. Somebody said once, you're, you, you're, it's just brain, brainwashing. Church is just brainwashing. I said, yeah, it is. It's cleansing every filthy thought out of that brain of yours like, that was like a sponge taking in all the garbage and lies that you accumulate over a lifetime to, that lie to you and tell you you're something that you're not. Don't conform to that pattern. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it lists three different uh, uh, levels, if you will, of God's will, which I'd love to dive into, but we won't. Uh, number one is the good, and number two, the pleasing, and number three is the perfect will of God. You can walk in the good will of God. It's like a general will of God. It's, it's, you're, you're walking in something that's, that's good as, as your mind is, trans, is transformed. And then you go to uh, the next level, which is pleasing to God. You're not just in this general goodwill, but you start to become more more pleasing and more specific, and then his perfect will. That's the goal. The goal is to be in God's perfect will. That's why these uh, grace gifts uh, are, are, are given by God. Verse 3, Paul says this, by the grace given me. And the grace that was given to Paul was, was the grace of, of an apostle. So this, he's got authority given by God. This didn't come through his natural ability. This didn't come any other way except God gifted him. He had a, tra a major trans transformation. He was turned from Saul, the persecutor of the church, going about with venom and hatred and, and, and killing Christians was his main goal. He had an encounter with God. Most of you know about that on the road to Damascus. And God touches him in a way that he is transformed from Saul to Paul. He goes from a, from a Christian killer now to a Christian gracer to grace in them. He says, by the grace given me. Now, his grace is not necessarily the, the gift or the grace that you and I have. But he, but he speaks with authority because of this grace. He says, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. There's two ditches that I find people fall into when it comes to discovering their spiritual gifts. One of them is they think that they're gifted in something that they're not gifted in. <laughs> and uh, that's thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. I uh, remember once, I've probably told this story before, but anyway, uh, it's comical, that I, I decided... I, I followed this particular preacher that used to sing before he would preach. And I thought, man, it's cool. I'm going to add that to my repertoire. I was traveling as an itinerant preacher. And um, so I went uh, to this particular church, and I, and I practiced. Gail was there. She witnessed the whole thing. And uh, 
I practiced to a backing tape, you know, when they had cassette tapes. And I, man, I pushed that thing and I'd start singing to that backing music. And I thought, I got this, man. I'm, I'm going to nail this. I, I'm going to sing before I preach. And, and you know, this is going to be added now to my ministry. And, and so, you know, my opportunity came in this church. And I, I, I said to the sound person, yep, go ahead. You know, gave him the nod, start the tape. Tape started up. And I lost my place where the music was, and I forgot the words. And I'm like, and it's going, you know, and it's like, if you can do that, you know, if you can sing to backing tapes and stuff, like, you are exceptionally gifted. I have got so much respect for you. Like, because until you've done it, you don't know how hard that really is. Like, and so I started down that track, and uh, not, I lost my place uh, on the tape, which is just, you can't recover from it, seriously. <laughs> and they had backing singers on the tape, and it's like, and then I, I forgot the words. Everybody's looking at me. So, so I did what, you know, what I thought would work. I just made words up. <laughs> I just made the words up as I was going through it. I was thinking, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of poetry a little bit, you know, but, but it made no sense at all. And everybody's looking at me, and then they start talking to one another like, is it just me, or is this like something's going on here? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a song that anybody knew. It was kind of a new song. And then, so I was kind of singing a new song, you know, like breaking away from the script. And, oh, and I realized that's not my gifting. <laughs> I, I like to sing out of tune, like, and it doesn't matter. You ever watch like The Voice or Australia's Got Talent or X Factor or any of those shows and they, they show the auditions? <laughs> you know, they do sh shorts and cutaways and, and the person thinks that they can sing. It's like they're looking at them. Have you ever had voice lessons? Yeah, I have. You're kidding me. Like, a, like a, wow. To, to think of yourself more highly than you are. In other words, you want to be gifted in something, but you're not. You can't make that happen. God's hand is either, he's either gifted you in that area, or you're not gifted. You can sing in the shower, maybe. Sing your baby to sleep, maybe. If the baby's crying while you're singing, maybe that's just a clue for something, like uh, if it doesn't stop crying, like uh, it's time to wake up to yourself. That's, that's the first ditch to fall, fall into, and then the second ditch, we'll get to that in a moment, why we don't discover our gifts. So he says here, uh, don't think of yourself more highly than, than you ought, but rather think of yourself with so sober judgment. <laughs> I like that, sober judgment. You're drunk on yourself, like sober up and judge this thing accurately in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. I'm looking at a room full of people, and we're all different. Some have been gifted in other ways, and others in other ways. We're not the same. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Your gift is not just so you can do a solo. Your gift belongs to everybody else. So if you're not using it, everybody suffers. If you're abusing it, everybody suffers. If you don't discover it, everybody suffers. 
verse 6, we have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, and we will get into that, but not, not this morning. Um, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. So the second ditch that we fall into where we don't, uh, we don't know what our gifts are, we uh, neglect those gifts. The first one, uh, again, is what? It's to think more highly than we ought. In other words, you, you, you think you're gifted, but you're not. And the second one is we don't use it. To not use your gift. So in other words, he says here, if it's serving, the only way you're going to know that you have a gift of serving is to serve. If it's teaching, the only way you're going to know that if you're a teacher or not is to teach. You have to discover that gift and use that gift, not neglect it or think that you're gifted somewhere where you're not. If serving, serve. Teaching, then teach. If it's encouraged, to encourage, then give encouragement. I love the gift of encouragement. I can't get enough. Most people can't get enough. There's very few encouragers around. If you've got that gift and you don't use it, then the rest of us suffer and people suffer needlessly because you don't use what God's given you. If it's giving, then give generously. Wow. I mean, how good are these gifts? It's not all on a platform with a microphone. We're not all singers. We're not all preachers. Thank God. But the only way is to use what God's given you. If it's to lead, do it diligently. Because it does take diligently to lead. You become a big target when you're a leader. Let me just say that. You know, it's not for the faint-hearted, uh, especially here in this country with the tall poppy deal. You know, anybody that rises up is going to shoot you down. Uh, what a terrible thing, because leaders need to lead. You need, you need to be diligent. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think with mercy, it's, it's easy to fall into the ditch of the person that you're showing mercy towards. You know, they're crying, and all of a sudden, you know, that gift, you kick in, and you're, you're, you're empathizing with them and everything else. Next thing, you're, you're down with them. Uh, so, so do it cheerfully. So the way we present our bodies, the only proof that we have how, how not to miss our gift is don't think more highly and use your gift. 1 Peter 4.10, many scriptures on this, but listen to what Peter says. says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Because this is about serving other people as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Use what you've got. And uh, that's why I just want to encourage you, come and, and, and meet with us for the discovery lunch. As soon as we finish here, we'll, just, we'll go in there, we'll eat together, we'll talk. Uh, you know, you can get a booklet, take it home, fill it out. It takes about an hour. That's why we're not doing it here. Uh, I don't want a clinical class. We just want to talk, and you, you'll see opportunities to serve in this church. That I, I encourage you to take them up because we need you and your gift. We all need you and your gift. So I want to give you some questions to help you discover your gifts. There's seven of them, and um, we won't take long with this, but I want to give you seven questions that you can ask yourself to help yourself discover 
the charisma or the gifts that God, the charis that God has given to you. This is a discovery process. You're not going to then receive the gift with these seven. You've already got the gift. You need to open it up, unwrap it, discover it. So the first one, and uh, there's seven of these. The first one is, what do you like doing? <laughs> you know, that's a really basic question, isn't it? What do you enjoy doing? Because that's probably an area that you're gifted in. You can, you can, I used to feel guilty because I, I enjoyed uh, doing certain things, so I thought, well, that must not be God. I remember when um, God called me to come to Australia, specifically to start the church here in the Sunshine Coast. Didn't know how beautiful it was. It was before the internet, couldn't Google it. But uh, I knocked back churches that were offered to me, um, big churches that were already established. And um, I said, no, not going to do that. Remember, one was in Sydney, another Mildura, uh, another Albury Wodonga. And these were established churches, a good wage, you know, 400 people plus one of them. And I thought, that's, that's pretty cool. And I said, no. I'm, why are you saying no? You don't have anything. You're itinerant. I said, because I know I'm supposed to go to the Sunshine Coast. Gail and I were called up here to Pioneer Church. We're like, you're crazy, but if you could pick a spot in the world to go, that's the place. And then people would joke and say, oh, I feel called there too, ha <laughs> ha, you know, because there's beaches. I didn't know how beautiful it was here. This is paradise. We live in paradise. Even though it's raining, it's still paradise. I didn't know that. So people in jesting used to have a go at me all the time as if I've missed God because, yeah, I feel called. Yeah, sure. Sunshine comes. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I hear God calling me there too. And it's like, I knew that I knew that I knew. I remember driving to Toowoomba once to, uh, with a friend of mine going to, he was going to speak at a full gospel businessman uh, thing at, in Toowoomba. And I saw a sign that said Sunshine Coast. And I just wanted to grab the wheel of the car. He was driving and just go, oh, I've got to go there. But I hadn't been here before. I didn't know. But there was a calling here. It's where, and I remember I thought, when I found out it was beautiful, I thought, oh, no, I don't know if that could be God or not. Like, because God's not going to send me someplace where I'm going to enjoy it. Because I like the beach. I like the weather. I don't like shoveling snow and inland. I like the ocean. Well, would God do that? Would God actually gift you in something so you enjoy whatever it is that you're doing? And the answer is absolutely yes. God wants you to. God's, God's not into torture. God's not going to send you someplace that you don't want to go. Well, he might, but you know, chances are it's going to be something that you already enjoyed doing. I enjoy serving. You don't have to twist my arm to go out in the car park and park cars. I enjoy walking across rooms, meeting people. I enjoy that. I, I, I enjoy most of the things that I'm gifted in. I actually enjoy them. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what's your desire? I desire ice cream sometimes. I enjoy it. Don't twist my arm for that. I enjoy sticky date pudding. I enjoy impossible pie, which we're going to have out in the foyer after the service. I, I'll enjoy eating that. 
It's not like God's going to give me a Vegemite pie or something like that and say, here, cop that. No, what do you enjoy doing? Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So first question that you ask yourself, what do I, what do I like doing? Second question, what motivates you? These are also called motivational gifts. Because your gift is a motivating force within you that compels you to respond to needs as they arise. Often you will find your gift in the moment. See, David, he was a shepherd boy. He wasn't a soldier. He's out in the field. He's playing his harp. He's looking after the sheep. He's got a slingshot. He's powerfully deadly with the slingshot. Killed his lion, killed his bear. And then he's given a task. His dad says, I want you to take some bread and cheese and go and feed your brothers. They're on the front line. They're soldiers. They're faced off against the Philistines. So he takes the bread and the cheese, not knowing that he's a soldier, not planning to go and fight. He's just on an errand. He's just going to go bring some food to his brothers on the front line. But as he's drawing near, in the moment, he hears this sound. And, and then he sees this 10-foot giant blubbering out profanities towards the nation of Israel. And something on the inside of him turns him from a shepherd boy into a soldier. Because the gift was already in him. The gift of a king was already there. It just, need to, it just needed to come out. It comes out. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God? Goes back to the king and tells the king, I want to take this guy out. It's like, but you're a shepherd boy. You're, you're a kid, really. You, you, why would God use you? Because God wants to put his hand on you in an area because you, you're motivated. And David says, is there not a cause? So somewhere in you, there's something that's saying, is there not a cause? For me, it's the church. Not just this church, but definitely passionately mad in love with the church. And I just see the church has to be the church. So we quit expecting politicians and movements and political parties and sports celebrities and and boxers, and who, whoever else, to do the job that we're supposed to do. Is there not a cause? Is not the government going to be upon his shoulders? Are we not the body of Christ? I could go on and on with that. I am passionate about that, because God's put that in my heart. It motivates me. So David goes, without a plan to kill the giant, when he saw the need, the soldier, the gift of, of king comes out of him. And he goes and he takes care of business. Number three, question number three, what burdens you? Put it another way that uh, I heard a preacher say once, what wrecks you? This particular preacher, what wrecked him was seeing church services done poorly. And, and to, to get re-wrecked, so to speak, to keep his passion going for excellence in the house of God with music and everything else, on his holidays, he would purposely go to this one particular church where they did church so poorly. He'd sit in the back, and he's a, he was a pastor at the time of 18,000 people in attendance in his Sunday services. 
and he'd sit in the back of, uh, on his holidays in this church that was never going to grow because they did it so poorly, and he'd get re-wrecked and go back with a passion to build a house of excellence. That's what his passion was. What burdens you or what wrecks you? What is it that you're talking about all the time? Is it the poor? Somebody should do something about that. You get our message on somebody if you want. You know, is it, is it social justice? Is it uh, just want to see people worshiping God and stepping into the presence of God? What is it that wrecks you? Is it, is it because people are so discouraged that you see discouraged people and it just burns, there's a burn for that? Whatever it is, that's probably where you're gifted to do something about that. Unwrap that gift. What burdens you? It comes, your gift comes with a burden. So, for some, it's to heal the sick. I know people, that's all they talk about. The power of God to heal the sick. If I could just lay hands on somebody, they're going to get healed. It's because they have one of the gifts of healing. They, 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 they're going to step out, and they're burdened enough to do something and to unwrap. Is there not a cause? Others, it's evangelism. When they see... Uh, the lost, something inside of them. There's a burden for lost souls that don't know Jesus Christ. Reinhard Bonnke, probably the most uh, notorious, or Billy Graham, for, you know, these people have this gift, but not everybody has a gift for mass evangelism. Some people just need to go. You see somebody at the park or a bus stop or at work or whatever. It's like, I've got such a burden for that person. That's, that's evangelism. Others, it's uh, organization. That's administration. There's, there's all these gifts. Question number four, what do you see? What do you see? A lot of times, we see things that we've already seen. God's spoken to us by showing us something. The, uh, the word déjà vu, French, it's that which is already seen. Haven't I seen that before? I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, you, you know, you ever have that feeling? And within you, God has probably already shown you something. And that's something that God has shown you as God's speaking to you about how to use that gift and, and discover and, and unpackage that gift. God will open your eyes with what he wants to accomplish through you. That's what happened to David. He said David was just kind of the same as Moses. What's that in your hand? Open your eyes. David, what have you got? I've got my slingshot. I'm good at it. Okay, why don't we just anoint some rocks and just take the giant down and get this thing over with? What do you see? Question number five. We've only got a few more. What is God saying to you? He's saying something to you by showing you something, something that you can do something about. So you won't just discover, like, you're not just wrecked about it, you've got a burden about it. Maybe God's already shown you something, but now God wants to show you how you're going to step into this thing. So I, I sit there and I imagine, often it's on my bed, uh, falling asleep, or when I'm waking up, I see myself in action doing something about what God has shown me. I don't just put it off to, 
you know, somebody else doing it or whatever. I see me. I see me reaching lost people. I, I see me doing things that I, I thought I could never, ever do, but I see me doing it. I see myself in the picture. When you've got a burden and you're wrecked about something, get involved in what God shows you. Use your imagination and step into the motion picture where you're the main uh, actor in it all, but you're not going to act it. You're going to act it out what God shows you, but this is going to, this will take reality to a whole nother level. Number six, ask yourself, where am I fruitful? Where are you fruitful? I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll look at two verses here. John 15, 7 and 8. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. How? That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit that you bear out of life shows the gift that God's given you in life. But know this, that the grace is on the gift. Lest you get caught up thinking about your natural ability or your inability to do something about it. When God's gifted you in something, look, it can be helps, administration. It's not just preaching or teaching or singing or something. It's in any area. It's encouragement or mercy. The grace of God, the, 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 the grace of God, the, the hand of God is on the gift this is so little about you. This is stepping in, like I said, to the extra on ordinary to make it extraordinary. Sometimes we balk or we hesitate because we think that the anointing has to be upon our natural ability when it's not. It's on the gift of God. The, God, the gift of God, the, what God has given you, he wants to put his hand on on that gift. I hope this is making sense to somebody. So if you've got a gift of evangelism, don't think, oh, I'm not a salesman. I don't like to talk to people. I need to go get Aaron, uh, Moses says. You know, I can't talk. Look, it's not about that. This is a gift that God's, a gift is a gift. You didn't earn it. You can't make this happen. It's like I said, you're either gifted or you're not. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. But don't neglect whatever God has given you and lean heavily on the, on the, on the gift that God's given. Let the anointing hit, hit the gift. Let the, let the hand of God touch the gift that you discover and watch what God will do. It's amazing. And don't put limits on that. His grace is not dependent on your ability it's not on where you wish you were. See, fruit doesn't strive. That verse was about fruit. Well, if what you're doing isn't bearing fruit, what God says, cut it off. Stop it, in other words. If it's not bearing fruit, then it's probably not your gifting, and his hand's not on it. So just quit. Quit doing whatever it is. Look for fruit. If what you're doing isn't, then take why does it take up the ground, he says? Why, why are you wasting your time? Like, Because when God gifted you with, gifts you with something, he puts his hand on that gift, all of a sudden now there has to be fruit. There has to be a result. 
Because God's hand is not small or short. It's mighty, the mighty hand of God. And number seven, number seven, it's what are others telling you? Now this one is a little bit tricky because people will tell you all kinds of things, especially discouraging things. I remember when we did finally arrive here on the coast, Gail's mom graciously lent us her car. We packed it up. We drove up here, ended up in Caloundra, and we were, you know, going to start this church, and we decided to start with a prayer group, just us praying in a living room with a couple that go to another church that, you know, weren't looking for a new church. We met, and uh, this is before we met our first couple that joined our church, and and uh, and I, I remember just thinking, like, like wow, like... Uh, when I tell people what, what our plans were, there was no encouragement. I remember one guy telling me, he goes, churches fail. Most churches fail. It'll, it, you know, you, don't do it. Whatever you don't do it, it's not going to work. You're never going to get anything off the ground. And, and I remember this guy talking to me, and, I, and I'm thinking, like, like, wow, like no encouragement at totally discouragement, like really discouraging. And then people would trickle into the little group that we had, and very few of them were like, yes, come on, we've been waiting for a, a great church with a vision uh, for Maruchador, and, and let's go, come on. Like, there was nobody doing that. It was all, like, discouraging words. But there is a place for people that have a gift, they have fruit in their own lives, where they can look at you and they can go, you know what, I really think, that the hand of God is on you for, and then whatever that, that is. Have you, have you looked at what your gifts are? Have you discovered any of them? Because I really believe that God has anointed you in this area. Prophecy is given for edification, uh, exhortation, and comfort. So sometimes somebody will speak a word over you that's edify, that edifies, builds you up, that encourages you, that brings you a comfort to know, okay, I'm on the right track. So it's not like we don't listen to everybody. We don't listen to anybody, though, however. Jesus, when uh, he said to Peter, says, Who do men say that I am? And, and he's asking a question, not to get an answer because Jesus didn't know who he was. He asked the question because he wanted to see if Peter knew who he was. He wanted to see if his disciples knew who he was. So he says, Who do men say that I am, Peter? Well, some say you're Elijah the prophet, and Others, Jeremiah, and others, Isaiah. Okay, you're fishing in the right stream because definitely a prophet, but more than a prophet. Definitely a miracle worker. Those were miracle workers. One represented the law, you know, but they were, they were uh, prophets in their day. But now one has arisen that's greater than that. Now you're looking at the, at the embodiment of that word that they spoke out, I am the word. But they didn't know that yet. So he's bringing that out by asking that question to them. And, and you know who you are. You really do know who you are. You, if you're here right now and you, and you think, well, I don't know who I am. You've got to discover who, who God made you to be and what you're anointed and what you're gifted to do and stop doing stuff you're not gifted in and start opening up to what God has actually gifted and let people that have a prophetic edge that you trust speak into your life and confirm some things in your life 
That's something that all of us, I believe, need to do. And that's part of a local church. Quite frankly, it's why you belong to a body. You just don't float around. You become kind of accountable in a, in a, in a good way. So they replied, some say John, others say Elijah, other Jeremiah. He said, what about you? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. Now he's going he's gonna to do a name change. You're Peter. You, you used to be Simon drifting and uh, a reed blowing in the wind. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. When you know who Jesus is, you discover who God is in your life, what God's given you, then he will show you who you are. He will unpack that for you. Jesus wanted them to know that. So I want to pray for you, and I'd like our, our worship team to come up, and then we're going to move uh, next door. Uh, after we ha uh, have a chance to give to God. But I'll pray for you. I want to I break off. I want to break off what others have said about you. I, I, I really sensed that when I was praying about this message. I sense that there are people here that you need to break out of the pattern because you've been, you have conformed into a pattern, some of which was given to you in your upbringing, your parents perhaps, the school system. Maybe it was religion in a church, I don't know, or this world. But don't be conformed any longer to that. Be transformed. In my prayer... It's the reason that I'm preaching this message and leaning into our discovery lunch next door is that you discover the gift or gifts that God has given you and that you just get the joy of discovering and then and using these gifts for others. So that when you encourage somebody, you just watch the most discouraged person who's like a wilted flower about to dry up and die, come to life and to a beautiful rose. That when you find somebody that's been beaten up, perhaps like the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, that's just so beaten up with discouragement and guilt, but you've got a gift of mercy. If you've got that gift of mercy, body of Christ, this church needs you probably more than you think. When your gift touches that life, life pours back in. It's like that woman. She can stand up now, strong. Go and sin no more. Come on. Pick it up. And that person can discover their gifting. And it adds to a, a, a rich body of Christ. If you've got the gift of giving, nobody needs to coerce you to give. You're looking for ways to give resources, and God keeps pouring it back in, multiplies it back. You just keep giving it, comes in. What a pleasure. 
What a joy. Brother, people are looking for ways out. If you're thinking, I don't know why they're looking for a way out of giving, tithing, whatever. I'm looking for a way in. It truly is more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. That's a gift. So many, so many resources, so much can be done with your gift. You are not lesser in any way. Friends of ours have a whole church that's being built. Basically, one person has the gift of giving. <laughs> just given enough to buy property and build a, a grand church. What a gift. I don't think that person can preach. They don't have to, probably don't want to. They're not gifted in that area. They're gifted in giving. What a blessing. And I believe there are people here that have that. Maybe not in the multi-million dollar range. I don't know, but you still got that gift. You use it, discover it, and use it, and delight yourself in it. Others are really good at connecting people. So nobody has to walk in lonely in a church and walk out lonely. Never having made a friend, because you're a connector. Others, it's administration. You can make things happen that just cause frustration for the evangelist or the pastor or whatever. You can, you can pull stuff together and make it happen. Bring organization. Take the headache out of ministry. What a gift. That's incredible. I'm going to pray right now and break off discouraging words, conformity, things that have been spoken over your life try to convince you you don't have that gift that you know you have to cause you to stop using what God has blessed you with. Father, I thank you right now for every person here. Lord, that we would not neglect the great grace that you've given us. We would discover the spiritual giftings you've gifted us with to serve one another. Rise up, almighty woman. Rise up, almighty man. Learn to ride the currents of the gifting that God has given you, the thermals that would lift you up like an eagle on eagle's wings, soar. And what God has gifted you with. Right now, I break off Words that have been spoken over your life that you can't, you never will, you're just ordinary. Anything that goes against the Word of God, I break it off right now. We break off conformity, mindsets, patterns of thinking that go according to this world, the prince of the power of the air. We break those off now to anybody that's listening in Jesus' name. We break it off. You are free. Free to soar. Free to step into the person that God made you and the gifting that God gave you. So see yourself now. There is no ceiling above you. There's an open heaven. Soar. Step out. Like a caterpillar 
stepping out of a cocoon, turn into that butterfly. Transformation is yours right now. Fly high in what God has gifted you in and contribute to the rest of the body so that we can all be what God wants to be in this earth, the body of Christ, the church of the living God. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, I'm going to pray, and I'd like you to pray after me and ask him into your heart. And then we'll give you a Bible out in the foyer. Father, say this. Father, dear God, I thank you for paying the price of my sin. I repent of my sin. And I thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Amen and amen.